It's the Everything RVC podcast. I don't really even want to fade this out. I'm kind <laughs> I don't of just, either. I'm kind of just jamming. Just please keep it around today. Yeah. I promise we'll explain this, why the intro music is different today. Oh, I love this different intro music. I'm thinking we need to get different intro music for every guest because yeah. it's just... it. it Starts off the podcast with such a good vibe. Yeah, it's kind of our new thing here. Yeah. So yeah. this is only the second time we've diverted from the uh, the normal theme song, and mm-hmm. we will explain that. There's a yes. there's sort of a theme here uh, this week on the show. Yeah, it's Musicians and, Week. Yeah, Musicians Week and Faculty Musicians mm-hmm, Week. Mm-hmm. So pretty excited about that. Before we dive in with uh, today's guest, though, this is the first time you and I have been back together since we had our epic. Uh, interview with Dr. Carl Jacobs. Yes. So I kind of just wanted to get your thoughts on that now that it's had a little time to marinate and you've had a chance to listen to it back and get some feedback from, from people. So Yeah, well, my thoughts are it was in an epic episode, like you said, and I was just telling our guests that I listened to it three times and I'll probably listen to it more because it's one of those episodes or like a good book where every time you listen to it, you pick out something different that maybe you didn't notice before that yeah. was something that really can benefit you and help you as you go forth and you try to lead others. And so I really enjoyed the podcast. Yes, I've had really great feedback on that podcast uh, from several different people. And uh, some faculty members that I know of listen to it together with people who are retired. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, that's a kind of a really cool thing. That's great. Yeah, Yeah. I I know, as as we said on that show, he's uh, he's revered Mm -hmm. around here. Yeah. uh, I think, you know, I finally found, I had met him before, but it's not like we had had uh, any lengthy conversations. You know, Mm -hmm. I had met him at various events, like when we had the building opening and he was there for that and that kind of thing. Mm But uh, I never really had a chance like that to really sit down and and get to know him and get into his mind and get and get all that that history lesson from him so Mm -hmm. it was pretty amazing so but yeah just the the like we talked about when we wrapped up that show the leadership qualities that you saw in him that um he mentioned over and over again that it wasn't just him Mm -hmm. that he was surrounded by good people that how important that was and that he didn't want to take all the credit and he wished he could have other names on his building underneath his and Mm -hmm. and so you know he's a true leader he talked about you know the one year he he wouldn't accept a pay raise because he didn't think it was fair and and everybody else wasn't getting one so why should i Mm -hmm. so that's the kind of thing that's that's true leadership so Indeed. And at the end of the podcast, uh, he drew the question, which was extremely <clears throat> ironic. That yeah. he, he, choose, he chose the question that said, if you had to recommend one book that every mm. college student must read, what would it be? Mm-hmm. So he said, Cast, The yep. Origins of Our Discontents by Isabel Wilkerson. Yeah. So I ordered it on Amazon. So did I. Right away. I'm reading it. Awesome. Me too. How far are you? Uh, only the, the first chapter. Yeah, I'm about 100 pages in, I think. Yeah, so I bought the book and... It was published in 2020. Yeah. Here, a 90-year-old man. September. Is, September of 2020 yeah. has already read the, the bestseller yeah. list uh, book that he would recommend. So he stays relevant. He's right. He is just a true inspiration. Yeah. That's funny. We both went out and did that. We could have our own little book club. I think we should know, talk about the book, no, perhaps. You better catch up. I'm 100 pages I in. I know. So. Now I'm nervous. Everything has to be a competition. That's right. That, that is true. So... <laughs> All right, well, let's get to our guest. I'm Who's excited. Who's giggling? Who's giggling over there? I mentioned that it's uh, it's Faculty Musician Week, mm-hmm. and so uh, we are we're joined today by Professor Jim Conley, and, and his instrument of choice is? Drums. Drums. Yes. yes. 
awesome. Yeah. So were you that kid who annoyed their parents from the get-go with banging on uh, the drum sets or? You know, I really wasn't. It was, I remember Gazzardo music mm-hmm. coming to St. Bridget's mm. and they were doing their sales spiel, yep. you know? And the guy came in and, you know, brought in trombones and trumpets and flutes and clarinets and and the drums. And I went home and told my mom, oh, I think I want the drums. Mm-hmm. And I want to play drums. Like every kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or a guitar, because of the Beatles and all that. And then for Christmas, seventh grade, I come downstairs and there's a drum set. Mm. Nice. So that was then it. on, that was grade. it. Yeah. yeah. That was it. They still do that because my son goes to Winnebago and they did the exact same presentation. Did they really? So they are changing lives, one child at a time. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, it was awesome. That is so. awesome. My favorite drummer, Dave Grohl, says oh. that that drums is is one of the more difficult to learn. Uh, do, is there other instruments that you play, and do you find that drums is, is more difficult? You know, French horn is supposed to be really, really hard, and oboe, any of the double reed instruments, mm-hmm. oboe, um, you know, Beard, he plays cello. That can't be that hard to play. So, um, but, uh, you know, they're all hard in their own yeah. way, you know, as far as you take it. So, yeah. the independence. For someone like me, they're all, I'm not musically inclined at all. But drum, if I was going to play, I would want to play drums. I just think drums are cool. It's not so, too late, Dave. So, Joe. <laughs> you want to teach me? I, too I, late, have, right? I have not thought about this story in quite some time, but... Uh, I am also not a musician, mm-hmm. and in fact, in sixth grade, I decided I would play the drums at in my high school band, or actually uh, pop, my middle school band, excuse me, and I couldn't keep a beat. So the drum teacher, he taught classes at Winnebago, or excuse me, at Poplar Grove, Capron, and one more, three schools, okay? Mm-hmm. He had to teach every student in all sections the same beat. I'm Amanda March. Amanda March because I couldn't keep a beat so that's how bad I am Hmm. no I can't even play rock what was that rock band or whatever you know guitar hero and then they had came out with rock band where you could play the drums too I couldn't even do that I could not keep a beat you two have other talents well thank you yeah we could talk thank goodness we could we could could listen and appreciate but let me let me jump into something that I I often think about so Tell, tell the listeners what, what classes you teach, and do you think there's a connection between your instrument of choice and your gifts for what you teach? Oh, that's a good one. Thank you. Well, I teach programming, so I teach Python programming and C++ programming, and I teach Cisco networking, like routing and switching and firewall stuff, so a lot of what they call networking, but... You know, there was always, I remember the joke, because I wanted to um, become a rock and roll star. You know, it was Mm -hmm. kind of a twisty path. But I remember when I went back and did all my retraining and got into computers, everybody's always saying, oh, there's this huge relationship between music and and math. Mm -hmm. That's basically my question. Do you believe that? You know, I do because in music you have to be very, very detail-oriented. If you're, you know, well, actually, even if you don't read music, um, mm-hmm. if you're playing in a rock band, you know, mm-hmm. Dave Grohl, I mean, Taylor Hawkins, that drummer is awesome oh, yeah. too. Yeah. So, you know, when you're playing complex stuff, you have to keep in time, you have to think about rhythm and dynamics and, you know, your volume and... Patterns. 
patterns and the form so it's very detail oriented mm -hmm. and if you're reading the music you know there's all the you know all the black notes on the page and you know things like that so computer science especially programming well actually networking too has to be extremely detail oriented mm -hmm. you can't I, I always tell my kids you know at kids adults you know we teach sure um if you're not detail-oriented, you're going to have a hard time in this class because, you know, any little thing, a semicolon or a comma or misplaced, it's going to not right. work. Mm -hmm. how, how did your path go from rock star to computer coder? You know, I, I came here as an undergrad, and I was studying music, and I wanted to be a music major, so I came here first. Jack Simons was my music theory teacher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Loved Jack. He was great. And I think back... He's probably like 25, 26 years old. Mm. That's what I'm, you know, he and I talk about that. And I, I, I did that. I had Pete Frisk as a math teacher and, um, you know, all these guys and gals that were here. So I, I stayed here for a year and a half, then transferred to NIU mm -hmm. and got my degree in music education. And Lucille Fink, who was my music methods teacher, my senior years goes, oh, yeah, you, you know, I can really see you as a teacher. And I says, oh, I don't want to teach. You know, I don't want to teach music. <laughs> yeah. I'm such a snob, you know. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a, a rock and roll drummer you sure. know, or performer. So I got out of college and uh, did the whole join a rock band. Rock band breaks up. Join another rock band. That breaks up. Join another one. <laughs> you know. And what were the names? I need to hear the names. Oh, Solstice. Nobody could pronounce it. <laughs> Mm. You know, to worst name ever, Solstice. You know, people would mispronounce it. It was, it was awful. What did they say? <laughs> oh, like uh, poultice and uh, yeah, you know, Soul Sisters. <laughs> yeah, nothing even close. Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, I was in that. I was in uh, in high school. I was in Justice, and I mean, there were the stupidest <laughs> band names you could even think of. You know. Okay. Um, so. As you get older, in my mid-20s or something, I thought, well, this isn't working out quite the way I had intended. Mm -hmm. um, and Cheap Trick was huge yeah. then. You know, I mean, they were really hitting it big. So I'm thinking, well, maybe this isn't the best career path right now. And um, came to the realization also, though, is I don't think I wanted to be on the road all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not really a life for raising kids and getting married and all that. So I thought, I, I got a job with uh, L.O. Smith Foundry Products. And in fact, I came here, Dolores Abanas was in charge of the job placement service. And Dolores was a big Starlight Theater. Her son, Richie Abanas, is, you know, really great kid. Uh, became very successful in theater. She was really nice to me. She goes, yeah, I, you know, I got this job for you, I think. You know, so I went and interviewed with Gordy Smith, who, you know, Smith Charitable Foundation, mm -hmm. did the Coronado Theater, great guy. And he, I literally said this. This is a college graduate, music education, mind you, but still a college graduate. Should have known better. He says, well, do you know anything about accounting? And I said, well, I'm really good with a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, was, I had no clue. Right. <laughs> they hired me, so I drove a forklift. Mm and worked in the office. So mm -hmm. I was a secretary slash warehouse mm -hmm. person. Okay. And Kirk Fisher, who is also a musician, was my mentor, as was Gordy, and he says, hey, you know, you should think about going back to school, accounting or computers. And I kind of flipped a coin, because I liked both. <laughs> and uh, 
thought, you know, I'm going to do computers. Came back here, mm-hmm. got some, because I didn't have a lot of the stuff you needed to even start my master's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Took math and with Diane Keenig and, uh, you know, Jim Whitman taught statistics, and I got through that and then got my master's. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of meandering through my career wise jobs, but you know, you look back and a lot of teachers were my mentors. Yes. And um, I wanted to, I was always coming back and taking classes here. Mm-hmm. I took a creative writing class with Judith Straffen. Yes. And, um, I just loved education. I just loved learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there was a job opening here and I applied. Didn't get it. You know, I interviewed with Don Craig and Greg Weir and Chuck Nelson. I mean, all these mm-hmm. people, I, you know, and... Uh, so I thought, well, okay. A couple of years later, Greg Weir and I were neighbors. And I'm out in the backyard. I'm not looking or searching for a job. And he mm-hmm. says, there's a job opening. He says, you know, what, what the heck? You should try it. Mm-hmm. So I applied, and luckily, must not have been very many candidates. I got it. <laughs> but when I walked in that classroom, even though I was a terrible those first few years, mm-hmm. I knew I'd finally arrived. And I was like... 35 years old. Wow. 35. And did you feel imposter syndrome? Absolutely. I felt like I didn't belong for mm-hmm. the longest time. You know, you, you went to that first development day. I'm in the PAR, mm-hmm. and I see Jack Simon, and I see Pete Frisk, and I see Diane Koenig, and I thought, I don't belong with this group of people. <laughs> no way, no how. Mm-hmm. I did. I, felt imposter sometimes I still do mm-hmm. you know you know you walk in the classroom Amanda and mm-hmm. I think boy I'm really lucky mm-hmm. you know I don't, I don't know if I really belong up here mm-hmm. what were you teaching that first year I taught intro to computers I taught COBOL programming um, what year was that 1993 93 okay so and you were 35 yeah so I think it's really important for our listeners to know that so many of us have that imposter syndrome. You all have to start somewhere, and yeah. it's okay. That's actually okay. That, mm-hmm. that Well, instead of me telling you, let me hear from you. What did it do for you? Feeling like you were sometimes a fraud, how did that serve you? I worked really, really hard to try to get to be a better teacher. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think... You know, development days are great, but sometimes I learn the most from those casual hallway conversations. Yes. You know, Don Craig or Chuck Nelson or Greg Weir or Julie Jordahl or Sylvia Emerson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they were all great. Mm-hmm. You know, they were really, really nice. And um, they'd say, well, you know, try this. Mm-hmm. And Cindy was pregnant with our first, Brenna. Um, they say, you know, three of the most stressful things you can do is change careers. Hmm have a baby on the way or move. So I did two out of the three. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, Greg, he must have known, because Brenna was born in November of that first year, 93. Mm -hmm. And in December, he said to me, this is literally, he says, he gave me this, I was teaching systems analysis and design, I'll never forget this. And he gave me like this three sheets of paper. He goes, here's a baby lecture for you. (laughs) And it was a lecture for systems analysis and design that he had taught the year before, and he knew I was probably running on fumes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that remember, at the end of the semester, you're just kind of barely yes. hanging on. That's yes. awesome. Yes. And it was awesome. He says, here's your baby lecture. Yes. <laughs> this, this might be a stupid question, but in the early 90s, what was programming like? Oh, awful. Yeah. Um, 
it was, oh, I feel so sorry for my students. <laughs> it was all chalk and talk. Uh-huh. You, didn't, you didn't have computers in mm-hmm. the classroom, so it was mm-hmm. me blah, blah, blind, droning on for 75 minutes or whatever, lecturing. Mm-hmm. They couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you had to reserve lab time, which is always a pain because it was very, um, it was the open lab in WTC, but it was very busy because, you know, intro to computers and, you mm-hmm. know, we had tons of students. So you, they very rarely got to do it with you. It was always outside of class. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no hands-on with them. Um, that they had to be there at class or in the on campus. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it at home, right? You know, mm-hmm. so it was very bad. Yeah, I mean, those were the. It wasn't the bad old days, but it's a lot easier I, for kids nowadays. I think you know you can work from home. And, mm-hmm. Sure. And yeah. Yeah, it's so I, you'll appreciate this story as you're talking. I'm thinking about one of the only real computer classes I had in grad school, and it was HTML markup language. So it was the coding, okay? Yes. So I had a 4.0 going into the last semester <laughs> of my grad degree. Yeah. I did this project that I was extremely proud of, but I used a floppy disk to <laughs> store everything. Oh boy. Uh-oh. Let's see where this is going. Yeah, I do too. At the end of my project, no. I was putting one more image. It erased everything. Oh. It was a forty oh, it was a forty page web document. Hmm. And luckily oh. my professors knew my credibility and my ethos and they had we had groups that we had to work with and so they just took my written work and they oh. they passed me through with the A, thank God. But Hmm. That was one of the most traumatic experiences. And I didn't even care about the grade. I loved that project. I was proud of it, and I could no longer see what oh. I had accomplished. Yeah. And so the way, the way they described it to me, it was, a, it was like a card catalog system, and I put one too many pieces of information in there on that disk, hmm. and it scrambled everything. Well, you know what I'm hearing, Amanda, is that <laughs> you should probably take my Python programming class <laughs> exactly. in the spring, you know? You know what? And that's my next question. What are people learning now? You're mm-hmm. using a lot of jargon that I don't even understand. I don't know what Python means. Some might not either. So if a It student... means you, you program snakes to attack people. <laughs> Back to the sci-fi world. <laughs> <laughs> Makes for a great movie. Yeah. So... So tell people like myself who are not familiar with computer programming and maybe students that are listening, if they were to go into this um, area of study, what would they be learning right now? Oh, that's a great question. So let me, I'm going to come back to that. So let's go back to networking. So, you know, like you come on campus and what do you do on your phone? You get on the Wi-Fi network here at Rock Valley, Mm -hmm. all right? You go into your office and you log on and... All that stuff that's happening behind the scenes where you can get to the email server, mm-hmm. you yep. get out to Google, you go to, you know, Eagle, mm-hmm. that's all networking. That's happening behind the scenes. Right. That's I always tell the students, that's like the cars going on the tollway. You got to get all that data back and forth. That's networking. So routing mm-hmm. and switching, like when you, this is going to get probably way no, more technical than you want, but, you know, you type in Google.com. Mm-hmm. That's what the cool thing about networking is we start lecturing about this to the students and they can relate to it right away. Mm-hmm. Does a DNS query, so Google.com actually gets translated into an, what's called an IP address. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has to be unique. does that automatically, so you don't have to remember addresses. And then it travels you know, to our router at Rock Valley and it knows how to send those 
packets out, you know, which direction. Mm -hmm. Google replies back, knows which direction that's routing. And then the switching is like, how could I determine switching? So switching is like all the Ethernet cables that mm -hmm. going into a concentration point, like a 24 port. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I teach a lot of that, how to program those devices, because you can, you know, get pretty sophisticated. And um, <clears throat> everybody needs it. You know, and then wireless is just another, it's just piggybacking on top of, you know, it's, it's networking, it's, it's just, you know, through mm -hmm. the air instead of through copper or fiber. So <clears throat> you have to be detail-oriented, and, and you know, you, the students learn how to program those routers and switches and get them to do things that, you know, that company needs them to do. Mm -hmm. And then the firewall is trying to keep the bad mm -hmm. guys and gals mm -hmm. out. Right. And then programming... There's like hundreds of different programming languages. So we teach, you know, we teach them all here. Well, not all, but, you know, Eric Wolf teaches Java and Chuck Conkle teaches, you know, iOS. And um, I teach, you know, C++ and so does Eric. And, and uh, there's HTML and there's Java and there's uh, Python. And depending on what you want to do, languages are appropriate for different things. Well, Python is kind of the new sexy new language because it's used in web, it's used in networking, it's used in security, it's used in games, and it's it's taken off in the fact that all these libraries, little mini programs, people are building them and they're making them available for you to download and use. Mm -hmm. So, like application programming interfaces, um, I was experimenting with Python and there's this one that the guy that wrote it, he says, yeah, just download it. And it's a plug-in to, like, the NBA hmm. uh, league. And you can query teams and mm -hmm. points and things like that. I mean, it's it's mm -hmm. really cool. Okay. So, you know, and C++ is our intro. We, we have to make students pick an intro language, and we think C++ is good because if you go to all these other languages, mm -hmm. like you learned HTML, Amanda. Right, right. Um, and that's totally different, but... Um, C++, a lot of other languages, once you learn one, jumping to another one is like, oh, this looks pretty familiar, mm -hmm. you know, looping and if logic and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's one thing about that field that's always kind of fascinated me is that open source. You kind of mentioned, you kind of got into that a little bit, is that people create this stuff and then they just let everybody use it. Like, they they want to share. It's yeah. great. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's a good so, collaborative thing. So speaking of that, that creative piece, that's something, you know, I love creativity and I'm sure that's one of the rewards of your profession. Can you share some examples of things people have created in your classroom that you'll never forget? Oh, you know, that's a good one too. Um, they do, well, what I like is their creativity in solving the logic problems. Mm. So, you know, I'll, I'll develop like uh, a logic problem. I said, I did this big marketing logic problem. Mm -hmm. I says, okay, you know, you go on Facebook or something, and I says, how do they tailor make those ads to you, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. They look at their your age and your gender and your demographic, and maybe they know your income level and things like that. So I had this huge if problem, you mm -hmm. know? Or, you know, male, female, this much, salary versus this much employed mm -hmm. unemployed and they had to do the logic for that to drill down to finally find out who this person what you know mm -hmm. what category they belong to it was really i thought it was a neat logic problem yeah yeah and i did it you know I, on my own and then some of my students are so much more efficient they you know there's a couple of them who are like 
I was like, wow, mm -hmm. they did that in a lot less lines of cone than I did. Mm -hmm. And it was really elegant. So the creativity, that's what's cool about programming. You don't th a lot of people don't think it's creative, but how elegant it can be in right. terms of lines of code. You know, you can get the job done, and mm -hmm. it might take you 100 lines, and then somebody else can do it in 50. Right. Wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that, um, I've done tic-tac-toe games. Um, like war know. games? Like. No, just plain old tic-tac-toe. He just wants to compete. He does. I, I've seen a new side of you, Dave. I love war. Didn't you love war games, though? Like Risk? Complete con uh, no, the movie, you know, where he has to play tic-tac-toe in order to keep the, nu from, to keep the nuclear bombs from going off. Oh, Matthew Broderick. Yeah. 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 I don't know why that's what that made me think of. Computers, tic-tac-toe, war games. I did I not a logical make that leap. leap. Yeah. See? Logi An example of a creative student right yes, here. Absolutely. Jay. I want you both in my class. Yeah. Oh, talk about old school like computer programming. Go watch go watch that movie. And, uh, I know. Uh, the green screen, yeah. you know, yeah. The cathode ray tube. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, classic. So so have you been able to keep in touch with any of your students? And if you have, what are they up to these days? Where do they work? That I do. Um, that's, I think, probably one of the most rewarding things is, like, I'll go to uh, tech events here in town, Entree Computers and mm -hmm. Tech Comics would put on these tech events. And, we, you know, Stephanie and I would go there and um, go to these events. We see a lot of our students are out working in industry, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. come up and say hello. So a lot of them keep in touch that way. And the great thing is, is a lot of them will email us and say, hey, there's an opening at our company. Nice. Do you have any more students? Mm -hmm. And that just, yeah. that is awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it speaks to them and it speaks to our program and it speaks, you know, it just makes you feel really cool. And I've had some students, I had one student that I remember a few years ago. Um, he was a great guy. He was in my intro to C++ class. And I mm -hmm. says, well, which, you know, one time I got there early. I always get there early before class. And uh, he's got there early. And, and uh, I said, what's your major again? He said industrial, I think, uh, hy hygiene. Okay. He's like an industrial hygienic engineer. But he was a really good programmer. I mean, really good. So one time I just made a comment on it through email or something. I said, yeah, you really have a knack for this. You're really good. He went on to NIU. He changed his major to computer science, and he's working for IBM. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, yeah. it, the power of your words. I, I don't know about <laughs> that, but, you know, it's all him. But mm -hmm. it was pretty neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's really important. You know, part of teaching is giving feedback. And I can tell you that I've had really great teachers in my graduate work who've given phenomenal feedback, very detailed feedback. And I've written papers and my graduate professor didn't even respond with the feedback. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that for, for faculty members and people that are in positions of power where we're evaluating people's work, it's really, really important that we're careful with our words. I know. It's, you know, a little thing you don't even maybe mention in passing yeah. or something yep. and you don't. You mm -hmm. don't think about it, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden they'll come back and email you or thank you, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I had one gal from a long time ago. She didn't say one word in my programming class. This is when I was one of my first years, and she's really bright. And um, I get a postcard from her, like, years later, and she was out in L.A., being a programmer and she just thank you mm -hmm. you know i'm mm -hmm. here because of you mm -hmm. and you know she wasn't but it was just neat to mm -hmm. 
to get some of those connections with those students. Mm -hmm. Well, you were part of her journey. Yeah. I mean, you were, right? right? So right. give yourself some credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are most of our programs, getting back to that, you know, getting getting to work and getting good jobs out of this, are most of the programs in, our, in your area, uh, are students able to go right into the workplace after getting a degree or certificate here? <clears throat> if they want to get further education, they can. But Yes. Uh, networking, I think, is a little easier path to jump in than programming because mm -hmm. with programming or networking, they definitely do. They get a two-year or AAS degree. They can jump in and start working right away. Programming students, some can, but I think it's harder because they're going to up against a lot of four-year grad grad people because mm -hmm. um, most you know programming is traditional go get a four-year degree okay it's not to say that some of them haven't chuck conkles placed you know um quite a few and eric has and stephanie and and i have put and have placed them but i think it's a little harder mm -hmm. you know we always say yep you know the two-year programming degree is great but you should also probably go on and get a four-year but i tell my networking students that too mm -hmm. i say you know you probably won't want to do routing and switching forever and right or wrong you know you'll probably go farther in your career if you get a four-year degree mm -hmm. so i guess that's another good point is do <laughs> can students easily translate the skills from these different programs like you just said you might not want to do networking forever but could they easily transition to programming is it some of the same Ooh, uh some will some will have a hard time um you know, some people pick, pick networking because they don't like programming. And that, okay. that's actually kind of a cool thing, though. So, like, Amanda, you mentioned HTML. Mm -hmm. I would be a horrible website design teacher and website design. I mean, I'm just graphically, you know, I mm -hmm. would be the one that the back end where it goes back to the back end to check the inventory database to mm -hmm. see if it's in and do all that logic. Yeah. That's fine. But to make a website look good, no mm -hmm. way, no way. So um, some will. Some will easily transition back and forth either way, networking to programming or vice versa. But some would have a little bit harder time. Okay. But that's the cool thing about IT. Yeah. You can be creative. Hey, you know, I mean, you're creative in all of them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you really have an artistic flair, web, website design, you mm -hmm. know. And yeah. That, there's so many different pathways that you can go down within that broad degree. Exactly. Which is really cool. Yeah. So... We were talking before the podcast began. Our children both went to Spectrum. Yes. And I'm curious, knowing that our children went to Spectrum, how you approach grading in your classroom. Because, and, and just for the listeners who don't know about Spectrum, Spectrum is a very um, project-based evaluation system. They don't use grades. So if you're learning about Africa, I remember one time uh, my son, instead of reading a textbook, they brought in a life-size map of Africa, and then the children were making the food and then learning about the textiles, and they were walking on the map to hmm. learn about the regions that's of the country. Cool. It was extremely applied. <clears throat> so knowing that that's probably important to you, too, does that um, come into your classroom? Thank you for asking that. Mm -hmm. So when I first started, I was that traditional teacher. Test, rote learning, rote yeah. memory... I mean, it was terrible. You know, it was awful. I think back and I kind of cringe. I, I still do some tests, you know, mm -hmm. um, where they have to do the rote memory stuff, but not very much. I love more like what I do a lot of times now is design work. Mm 
Mm -hmm. So for networking, I just did one where I says, okay, you did these hands-on labs, and it was kind of a, a cookbook style where they had the commands and do mm -hmm. this, do this, do this, do this. But I, I want to make sure, well, do they really understand? Are they just typing it in just to get through the assignment? Are they really understanding what those commands mean, and can they apply it in a new situation? So then I give them a design, and I change it, and I just and I don't give them a cookbook. I just say, this is what the company wants you to do with this you know, device. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now go out and implement it. So I do a lot more of that, mm -hmm. a lot more of design. Um, in programming, I'll give them yeah, a project and I'll just say, these are the specs, this is what I want the output to look like, but you have to arrive at that you know, solution. Mm -hmm. You have to think about what data do I need and what's my if logic. Mm -hmm. So I hate, I don't know. Yeah, I really have gone away from a lot of the just the tests. And if I do tests, a lot of them are open book, open note. Right. It, I, it's the same story for me. When I first started it, you know, when you as soon as you said that, you were telling my story. I used to think I had to lecture on every term in the textbook. Yep. I would literally put up my PowerPoint and go through every single thing in the chapter. Yep. And I look back at that and I think, wow, how green I was. And mm. I thought I was doing a good job because I was covering everything. Right. My intentions were good. Now it's completely different. Tom Lombardo gave me permission to go deep, dive deep with five objectives instead of 16 objectives. Yeah. And now it's, they read the chapters, it's open book, maybe a quiz, but they, everything's open. It's yeah. not, you know, rocket science for public speaking. So they don't, if it was nursing or something like that, okay, they need that rote memory, right? right? They, right. Some fields I feel like they need that. And then some fields, maybe not so much. So I really relate to that, and I think it's important that people have permission to do that flipped classroom model. How much do you lecture now versus, oh, you like very, think back mm, to the old days yes, versus now? it's so different. I am night and day different as, yeah. a, as a faculty member. I used to lecture the entire class period, every class period. Yeah. And now they're expected to read the book and then we apply it when they get to the classroom. Okay. So, yes, I will go deeper into some things. Right. But it's not like it used to be. I know. Yeah, right? I don't spoon feed anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I know. I I used to be the same way. Mm -hmm. You know, when I remember like the one night a week classes. Yes. I had 725 to 1005. Mm -hmm. 1005. <laughs> All I'm still talking. <laughs> all lecture. You get all lecture. All lecture. All mm -hmm. lecture. Can mm -hmm. you imagine how horrible that would be to sit through? Um, I think I have sat through some of those. Yeah. Did you sit? Not yours. You were the one in the back talking, <laughs> mister. Probably. Yeah. Probably. But yeah, you wouldn't, you know, the hands-on, It's that's how a lot of people are learn. You have to apply it. Like, you wouldn't teach somebody, you wouldn't teach me how to play the drums without putting a drum set in front of me, right? Right. Right. Right, so you can't right. just you can't just have me read a book on how to play the drums and then I'm gonna learn, right? Mm -hmm. You're gonna come over to my basement and start playing. Oh, <laughs> I, can't yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, wait. Yeah. Let's go back to that topic. Yeah, of music. so let's let's jump into that good stuff. Yeah. So we, we opened the show with a little little uh, Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Uh, I asked you who some of your favorite musicians are, and he was at the top of your list. I don't know if you meant to put him at the top or if he's just the first one you blurted out. But who are some of the musicians that you uh, admire? Well. Um, I always, yeah, those lists are always hard for me. Sure. You know, it's like books and movies mm -hmm. and lists, uh, but it just depends on the phase I'm in. And uh, I can go from classical to jazz to rock and roll back and forth. But right now, yeah, I mean, I've just gotten into my <laughs> Peter Gabriel phase again. Mm -hmm. So I listen mm -hmm. to him, and he's had 
amazing drummers all through his career. So uh, it's it's fun. And, and then my kids turn me on to music. I'm sure your son turns mm-hmm. it. You know, I mm-hmm. listen to stuff now I never have listened to before. Um, and I listen to Phoenix, and I listen to Death Cab for Cutie, and, <laughs> you know, just whatever. Foo Fighters. My son turned me on to Foo Fighters. I love them now. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we could, this is great. We can, you can teach me how to play drums, and we, we can go to a Foo, <laughs> Foo Fighters concert together. Didn't we go? Didn't you and I talk? Because my son and I went to the one in Madison, and oh, I think you were at that concert. I, not only was I there, this is going to make you jealous. <laughs> so, yes, I was at the, the one in Madison. That was the fourth time I had seen them and my friend Tanya and I and she's a she's a nut for live music concerts she's the one who like if it's GA she wants to get there so we got there and if you remember that day it was cold it was November yes and we got there at like noon for the seven or eight o'clock show to wait in line because we had floor seats but it was first come okay when they open the doors you run um and we got front you did yeah we were right up front um, and I caught Taylor Hawkins' drumstick. I remember you said night. that. Yeah, so I have that framed in my man cave with my Foo Fighter posters and stuff. So. That, my son would be so jealous <laughs> yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yep, so you and I are going to hang out, do some drumming, and then go see, <laughs> go see it put into action. So what has happened through this podcast is David has so many new BFFs <laughs> that Becky will now never see him. Yeah. <laughs> Assuming we can go back to concerts at some point. I know. Know. I hope so, right? Yeah. So I guess uh, it it looks like we've shifted into the lighter side of our podcast. Should we go with the campfire question? Yeah. Did you come prepared? You always come prepared. Yes. Sometimes I think of the question during the podcast because I'm, you know, meet the person where they are. And that's Mm -hmm. what I'm doing today. Perfect. So you get one opportunity to share the stage with any musician who is the musician and why. Oh, that's you awesome. are asking the tough, tough <laughs> questions. Well, I would have to say it would probably be either Robert Fripp, King Crimson, mm-hmm. or Peter Gabriel, or maybe Sting, because those mm. they give drummers a lot of room yeah. to play mm-hmm. and experiment. Awesome. So I would say one of those. Are, Gabriel probably would be at the top because he's a mm-hmm. he's a very rhythmic guy, mm-hmm. and the tunes he writes lend themselves. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you feel when you're drum when you're playing the drums? It's like a release. Now I go down the basement and play, and it's like a stress releaser. Mm-hmm. You know, for a long time I was playing in weekend bands. You know, it was a gigging, mm-hmm. and it was kind of my moonlighting. Cindy was stay-at-home mom, mm-hmm. and I was working every weekend in a band, um, <clears throat> men of our times, and we were very busy. I mean, I remember the first year I joined them, and in May we had like 13 gigs just mm. in May. Wow. I mean, we worked all the time. And, you know, like anything, um, after a while it kind of turns into a job, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I retired from that, and now I go down, and it's just for fun, and it, it, you just kind of go into your own little world, as mm-hmm. my wife says. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's great. Mm-hmm. So So do you feel most alive when you're playing the drums? <clears throat> no. Um, when do you feel most alive? When I'm with my family. Yeah. Me yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, my kids and mm-hmm. Cindy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did, they, did the family go watch your gigs a lot <clears throat> through the years? No, they were too young. 
So, so you would stop by the time the kids were old enough? You yeah, would stop the gigging? Brano started to do soccer and Tyler was doing okay. baseball and it was like, oh, I need to do this. Sure. I can't be. So yes. they never really seen you play <clears throat> not, a, a gig? N- you know, they were pretty young. Yeah. Okay. You know, they were pretty young. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yep. So it was a it was a transition period, and now you play in the basement. Yeah, it's That's, perfect. Yeah. Do you have the noise cancelers for your wife, <laughs> or is it super loud? It's really loud. It's really loud. I feel so sorry. And Tyler, my son, plays drums, and he'll go down and play. Uh-huh. And I look at Cindy, and I think, you poor woman. Yeah. You, know, you poor poor woman. And then I'll go down and play. It's horrible. I mean, just to hear drums, right. you don't hear a melody, yeah. you don't yeah. hear chords, yeah. nothing, just boom, boom, right. boom. Dave, you would love it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> and when you're in a basement like that, yeah, if you're upstairs, yeah. that's all you hear is just the banging. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, so how's that go when you're playing, you have, a, you listening to a track with the all the other music yeah. and you're just playing the drum part? Yep. And, Got my iPod and mm-hmm. put on my earbuds and noise canceling headphones and bang away. It's great. <laughs> Can so play with do you just play the regular song, or do they have tracks where the drum track is taken out? You know, they do do that, but I just yeah. play the regular song. You just song. play it along with I the regular song. I just play along with, mm-hmm. gotcha. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, or try, awesome. to. Yeah. Yeah, I try to. Yeah, try to. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. I love it. All right, so you have a bag next to you, and this is the part of the podcast where you get to draw two questions. Two? Two All questions. Right. You'll read them each out loud and answer them. You guys, this is, I can't tell you how fun this is. This is awesome. <laughs> Which activities make you lose track of time? Hmm. Well, it's not grading. <laughs> <laughs> lecturing. Yeah. Oh. Actually, oh, it, lecturing does. Is sometimes. it 10:30 p.m. already? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my students uh, reading a great book. Mm. That makes me lose track of time. Mm-hmm. I think that's my yeah reading and uh, biking. What do you oh, like to read? So, okay. I love fiction mostly, and I like mystery fiction. So Michael mm-hmm. Connelly and Tana French. No relation. No, <laughs> different spelling, everything. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then what about the bike? Are you yeah. like Dr. Spearman at fifty miles? And oh, you are. I'm one of those guys I used to make fun of. You okay. know the spandex. Yes. The, mm, yes. You know, mm-hmm. My daughter Brenna's three words when I come down on my spandex is "Oh dear God." <laughs> yeah, it's not a pretty sight. It's not. I have a pair of those too yeah, with the cushion butt. Yes. Yeah. 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 My husband does too. Yeah. Do, yeah. 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 You have to if you're gonna ride have, that. Yeah. That much. Mm-hmm. Forty, fifty miles. It's yeah. you gotta ride with Howard then. Yeah. Yeah. We could start our RVC biking team. You could. Well, that's my husband. You all could do that. But then I, I'm, I'm interested in getting that e-bike. Yeah. <laughs> Where I could keep up. So if I get tired, I could still go 40 or 50 miles because I have a little bit of help. Yeah, the only way my bike's going 50 miles is if it's hitched to the car <laughs> that, I'm, that I'm riding in. But, but yeah, you and Dr. Spearman could ride. Yeah, you I think could. that's when he listens to this show, I'm it, gathering. It I think on the weekends, yeah. he kind of waits and he catches up while he's on his bike. So. Does he? Yeah. yeah. So do you listen? Do you, are you <clears throat> taking in the nature when you're I riding? take in nature okay. mm-hmm. because I do not want any cars to come up that I don't hear. Right. Yeah, so. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. All right. How about the next question? Okay. Um, what lifts your spirits when life gets you down? Um... My family. Mm-hmm. So my wife, Cindy, and my daughter, Brennan, my son, Tyler, they always yeah. get me going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. They're great. So do you have a culture of, I don't know why, I'm just imagining you all with inside jokes and laughing. Is that? Do you have a lot of inside jokes in your family? We do. <laughs> we do, I usually just... at my expense, but okay. we do. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So just lots of lots of laughs, lots of. It's yeah. We went up to Portage last weekend and, okay. and uh, rented an Airbnb and my kids and Cindy and I and their respective you know boyfriend girlfriend and I mean we we're just dancing and laughing yeah. and, and hiking and mm-hmm. it was great. That's what awesome. are your kids into? Not not necessarily fun wise, but like career wise. Where are they yeah. he- Where are they headed? My daughter is a software sales uh, gal for Avpoint. Okay. This, pretty big software company uh, worldwide and she's based in Chicago mm-hmm. and uh, my son works for a big insurance brokerage firm Cunningham and Butler in Dubuque okay. so he's in accounting <laughs> so the the yeah. man who gave you the two suggestions right yeah. right accounting software <laughs> yeah like, okay one of each yeah you, yeah, you flipped the coin but you had two kids so like, you do this you do that How's that sound? All right. <laughs> and and it was good. Yes. <laughs> and we rested, right? Yeah. Rested. <laughs> yeah exactly. Oh. Well, Jim, it's been a blast yeah. hanging Thank out you with so you today. Much. Thank Absolutely. you both. Yeah. I love yes. this. Thank you. It was yes. great learning about your uh, your journey to RBC and, and how far you've come in the classroom mm-hmm. as well. And I hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always mm-hmm. always changing. So so yeah, thanks yes. for being here and, and thanks for uh, for listening and supporting the show. Like yes, you have. we Absolutely. really appreciate your feedback. Thank All right. you. All right, yeah. take care. Thank bye you. Bye bye. Well, that was a blast. That was a blast. What was your favorite part? Uh, that he's going to teach me how to play the drums. <laughs> <laughs> I really seriously have always wanted to. And everybody keeps telling me what he did, that it's never too late. You can mm-hmm. still learn. That's but true. I don't know. I just I don't feel like I have any musical talent. He, he will probably be very frustrated with me uh, trying to teach me. But no, it was well, great. It was I, great. He's not trying to put you in his band or anything because he yeah, doesn't yeah, have that anymore. So maybe he would, you know. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Al- also just learning about how far... Uh, that field has come that mm-hmm. that that was interesting to me as well. Mm-hmm. It's obvious technology changes. It's probably changed while we've been sitting here, mm-hmm. right? That stuff changes so quickly. Just hearing what things were like when he first started teaching versus mm-hmm. where they're at now. So, mm-hmm. what were your takeaway takeaways? Well, I think many of the same, you know, that you had. But I think for me, and I think maybe the title could be this. Uh, I'd like to name the title Thirty Five. 35. 35, because 35 is when his journey started here. He was Mm. 35 years old. He was told no, Mm -hmm. and he came back, and his journey with uh, our students and our community started at 35 years old, and I just love that because that's who we are. It doesn't matter if you are 18 or if you are 14 coming out of a high school doing Running Start or if you are 35 years old. I mean, he shows us that your career really can start whenever you decide that yeah. you want a change in life. Yeah. And I love that about Rock Valley. You can learn to play the drums anytime. That's no right. <laughs> no matter right. how old you are. Right. But no, the other thing, and we've talked about this before on, on here too, is that just never close yourself off and you never know when an opportunity is going to yeah. come, right? He might have written this place off after he didn't get the job the mm-hmm. first time. All of a sudden he's out in his backyard. Mm-hmm. And Greg's like, hey, mm-hmm. there's a job opening. You just don't know. You can um, redefine yourself at 35. I mean, he yeah. said he wasn't looking. He had a good job. Anytime you decide that it's it's time for a redesign of your life, you have that. You are the author of your story, yeah. and you get to decide that. And he did, and he's so grateful to be here. I mean, before the podcast, he he just has so much gratitude for Rock Valley, and I love that. Yeah. 
another alum, which is mm-hmm. another thing yeah. we, we've been running into uh, on the show, is a lot of um, people who work here or teach here who mm-hmm. also were students here. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. always a cool theme that emerges as well. So mm-hmm. we talked about the themes being uh, this week being uh, Faculty Musician Week. Uh, later on this week, we're going to welcome uh, Dr. Michael Youngblood. Yes. And he's also a musician. Uh, you're familiar. You've seen his bands. Yes. He's, he still plays. Like, he didn't does. he play uh, the, the SOS Stockyard. event? Yeah. yeah. So our last major uh, fundraiser to raise money for students in crisis, his band came out and played at Stockyard, and it was a fantastic event. And he's just, he's got a lot of gifts. I can't wait to have him on the podcast because he he's very talented in a lot of different ways, and I think the listeners will really enjoy that. And he's also one of the most respected men on campus, so... Yeah, he's been here a long time. Mm-hmm. He's a community college graduate. I don't think he went here, but he did He did go to a community college. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's had that experience in common as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he plays a number of instruments. Uh, he says he's a little bit more into piano these days, but he plays guitar. And then, as we discussed on the uh, George Hernandez podcast, apparently he like Michael likes to cook he as well. He is a phenomenal cook. I've, I, I watch his dishes come out on Facebook and just salivate <laughs> as I'm eating my... Healthy choice microwave. Isn't that, isn't that frustrating? <laughs> it's just like like the whole concept of Food Network. You watch all these things and you can't eat no, them. You yeah, can't you know, unless yeah. you go make it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Boy, maybe maybe really if he, I don't know. We should try to get him to bring us something. Yeah. <laughs> well, we I think we do need to have that uh, like college cook off. That would or be that's a really good idea. We yeah. should do that when when things. Uh, get back to normal. Let's have a chili cook-off. That list is getting really long, isn't it? The things we're going to do <laughs> when we get back to normal. We've got this running list of, hey, we should do that once we get back to normal. You could have a virtual taste-off and you have to, it's just by facial expression. Yeah, yeah. Mm, <laughs> that's really good. But it is. I mean, the whole concept of Food Network is built around that. True. Like you wa- I, and true. I watch these shows. I still yeah. watch them. I mean, I, all it is is they, they make this delicious looking dish that you can't taste yeah and then you're taking their word for it mm, boy oh yeah the way the cr- it's got the crunch and then oh you get the sweet and the heat and, like, and then yeah. if they put cilantro the crowd goes wild <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah it sounds great it looks great Oh, oh well, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a fun week, and I'm yeah. so happy that we have been um, receiving so much good feedback from all of you. If you have any suggestions for guests, please let us know. If you have any feedback, things you want us to talk about, um, just let us know. Yeah, so we look forward to uh, talking to Dr. Youngblood and continuing our faculty musician week here later in the week. As Amanda said, thanks for listening. We appreciate all the support we've been getting, and we hope you will continue to tell your friends and colleagues to listen. I am David. She's Amanda. This has been Everything RVC.